The process of buying and selling property in this country varies across every state and territory. And this is because each jurisdiction has different laws, particularly around vendor disclosure. In other words, what information a seller must provide to a buyer. The concept of caveat emptor, in other words, buyer beware, applies in every state and territory. And what this means is that buyers have to rely on their own due diligence. Obviously, this is going to be easier for buyers in states with higher levels of vendor disclosure. And one state is at the extreme other end of the spectrum where next to nothing is disclosed and it's Queensland. When I first discovered this, I was shocked at just how little needed to be divulged to buyers. But that's all about to change. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent and buyer's agent mentor, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, author of Auction Ready and co-host of Your First Home Buyer Guide. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker, recently ranked number five in Australia out of over 18,000 brokers in the annual MPA Top 100 Mortgage Broker Award. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of an appropriate and experienced professional. The changes to the Queensland Property Law Act are the most comprehensive changes since 1974 and will require a different way of handling property transactions. On the surface, this would seem to be a good thing and today we're going to unpack these changes to see how they will affect the way in which property is bought leased and sold in Queensland. We're joined by Jeremy Stretton, who is the founder and CEO of Northern Property and Resumption Lawyers, that's NPR Law. Uh, NPR Law focuses on helping property owners buy, sell and lease property, as well as helping property owners when their property is being resumed. We might get a little bit of time to touch on that um, later. Now, thanks so much for coming along today, Jeremy. Can you start us off with a snapshot of the current situation in Queensland, particularly when it comes to buying, selling property, but also leasing? Yes. Yeah, so thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, real pleasure to be here. Uh, so right now, uh, in when we're recording this, there is um, not a lot of disclosure that goes into a new contract uh, when you're buying a property in Queensland. It's very much uh, buy beware, and um, and so if you're, you, it's up to you to do your own searches and and the like uh, for that for the property before you go and buy, whether or not you're buying off the plan or or a brand new house. And that that's created a lot of problems over the years because people. You know, they thought they were buying something. Um, you know, you mentioned the resumption um, stuff, and I do a lot of that that work. And a lot of people find out when their home's being resumed that you know things aren't approved properly, or they or people haven't disclosed things uh, when they bought the property, which ends up reducing the value of their of the property that they can um, that they can sell to the government. And the government loves that because then they have to pay less less um, compensation to the property owner. Uh, but obviously, the, the homeowner um, is very very distraught and. Uh, Part of the reason for that is the lack of disclosure about knowing what is going on with the property and what are the th- things that they should be looking out for. So it's been a bit of a, a, a problem and these changes are designed to fix such. So let's get specific around what a vendor currently doesn't have to disclose and what could go wrong for buyers if they don't know what specific questions to ask. So there's there's, well, there's lots of things that they don't have to disclose um, uh, and, and really... It comes down to uh, maybe things that are on the property um, that might be unaffected by um, easements and, and things like like uh, easements that aren't registered. I should say, uh, yeah, there's certain things like that that um, you know, whilst you're supposed to disclose them, there's not a requirement to disclose them. And if you don't, and the buyer doesn't find out before settlement, then there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, whereas the, the changes are meant to to stop that from happening. Um, yeah. They've got to disclose at the moment. You've got to disclose all the stuff about the body corporate, which is a good thing. Where you've got a, a, a body corporate property, uh, but it, mainly it's it's around things that affect the property that aren't registered. That that is the biggest problem right now. And so, and, and as I said, finding that out after you settle is very difficult to do anything about. Um, but the idea of this is to to force onto sellers the requirement to make more disclosure about what what it's going to affect the property rather than you know, just letting it be found out in the searches. Let me give you some examples, right? So I've, I've because I've got uh, Home Buyer Academy, which is a first home buyer uh, course that teaches people and we've gone through and compared across the country. I also have got a buyer's agent mentoring program and so buyer's agents across the country need to understand the differences, but often they don't. Um, and 
I was absolutely astounded when I discovered how little is given away in Queensland. For example, so in New South Wales and in Victoria and some other jurisdictions, you have to get a sewage diagram. And what that means is that you will be told there's a diagram that shows you, mind you, there are times when it can be inaccurate, but that's sort of another conversation. There's a diagram that shows you exactly where the sewer line runs underneath your property, if it runs underneath your property or where the connection points are. Now, why is that important? Well, if you want to extend or if you want to put a pool in, it's important. But also if somebody else has extended and they're built over that sewer line, you want to know whether or not that's been approved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's just so many. That's just one tiny thing. Uh, Like I'll give just one other example. I mean, a zoning certificate is not a a, a prescribed document in Queensland. And there's so much information that can be divulged from a zoning certificate that, that Queensland buyers just don't even get and if they don't even know what to look for or what to ask for or if they don't engage a lawyer before they enter into a contract, they wouldn't even have the faintest clue around what they need to look into to protect themselves. So they're just two examples on the top of my head. Um, so you deal with this day in, day out. What, what are the sort of things that, I mean, you must have people coming to you after they've committed to buying a property and they could have had clauses added into their offer that they don't have and you must have also people come to you before you make an offer and I would imagine that the outcomes for those people could be really different. Do you want to give us some examples there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first thing to note, this new changes don't really require all those other things to be disclosed in Queensland. Ah, so it doesn't improve that. It doesn't improve that side <laughs> of thing. Still going to be crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's no, as I understand it, and, and the approved form hasn't come out. Uh, as yet, the, 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 what, what they're going to require uh, sellers to disclose. Uh, but I, I know from what I've read that things like that aren't, aren't on the on the chopping block to be disclosed going forward. So uh, that's interesting that they that they haven't even gone as far as what the other states already have. Um, but that's just fundamental. But like I said, what is going to change? Well, uh, basically, having a disclosure statement that has certain information in it that people would ordinarily go and do searches for, but not that kind of information because up here. People don't do, unless they're developing the property, right? They often don't do those kind of searches. They don't. They don't look at a lot, a lot of a lot of the law firms up here. Don't do many of the searches that would find out things like sewer plans and things like that. Uh, yeah, it's just not something that's generally done unless the client has a specific need to develop the property. Like if you're just buying a house and land, that, then they don't do that. So what we find is it comes down to really discussing with the client first, what do they want to do? And if they do want to develop the property, then often what we'll include is a due diligence clause to allow them to go off and do their their inquiries about the property. Because disclosure doesn't have to be given, you've then got to go and do all those searches. And and you know, there's a lot of uh, assumptions that are made in the REIQ contract where people uh, maybe don't um, know that certain parts of the property are you know, may not have approvals, or there might be things um, problematic with the the boundary lines and the fences and and you know, easements and things like that. So, uh, yeah, people who are buying land that they want to develop generally have that type of clause in there. But we don't see a lot of specific things about you know people concerned about sewerage lines and things like that in in contracts. We see more. It's a general. I'm going to buy this block of land, maybe move move the house off and build something else. So, yeah, what what does that mean? What can I do? So we keep it more broad so that they can really go and do their investigations about the property as opposed to where you have more specific information that you get at the contract stage. Jeremy, is it, what about sort of things like um, surrounding developments? Is it going to be all, you know, the floodplains or, or things that are going to impact its value? Is, it, is there any liability on the sellers to start to disclose these sort of things that are obviously negatives for the property that the market might not know unless they do those searches? Or is, is it still going to be buy beware and you have to do all your checks, um, potentially just a few small changes around the edges. You're still going to have to do your checks. Uh, flood areas is one of the areas that is being changed, though. So you will have to disclose floods. Obviously, that's been a big deal up here um, in the last you know, d- decade and a half or so since, uh, since the 2011 floods. So that is something that is going to change, uh, that you are going to have to disclose th- those things. And, and still... Uh, yeah, I would be advising any buyer to go and check that for, for themselves as well. Like the the maps, uh, I'm sure they're the same all over Australia, are very comprehensive up here where you can see what is, you know, where the floods are and what's going to change. Uh, so so that that is one area that is going to change. Uh, and they, but you do need to disclose that kind of information because that's such a hot topic up here. That's Brisbane. 
uh, and, you know, everyone sort of knows that Brisbane floods, don't they? So I guess, weirdly enough, it's probably the one thing that most buyers might check. And I know that Brisbane City Council's uh, um, information they have online is extremely good. But what about a deposited plan? You mentioned about boundaries, right? And so obviously you're not going to know that boundaries exactly where they are unless you get a survey done. Um, and even in New South Wales and other, other jurisdictions, it's not a prescribed document to have a survey, but a deposited plan is a prescribed document. Is that something that will yes. be added to the compulsory uh, disclosures? 100%. Yeah, the, the, the registered plan is 100% something that has to be disclosed. So a title search, a registered plan, those kind of things, so you, you can see what you're buying has definitely got to be um, added in as part of this. As I said, they haven't actually come out with the form at the time of recording this uh, but i do know that the plan is something that, that they need to do and any buyer worth yeah who uses any lawyer worth their salt will get that plan anyway um and if there's a problem with it then then you can that does give you rights under the contract but it is definitely something worth looking at before you enter into the contract jeremy it's been a bit of a uh, crazy market up in queensland uh over the last few years right so post covid there's been a massive boom there's been a lot of interstate buys um Days on market really shortening. You know, a lot of buyers agents playing in the space. How have you seen the whole buy and sell transaction shift? You know, I mean, before it was you know on Queensland time, right? It was a fourteen days to get your finance done, etc. And you know, it's complete. That's not what's common in Sydney, right? It's not what's common generally in Melbourne as well. So, are you seeing that completely flip on its head and it becoming a much more harder for buyers to transact and, and easier for sellers to sell? Um, we definitely saw that over the last few years. So, yeah, we're recording this in yeah, mid to late um, 2023. Last couple of years, we've seen that be a, be a thing where it definitely shifted to the seller's side. And very it was very hard to get any sort of conditions in a contract. Uh, and But we are starting to see that shift back. Uh, as interest rates have gone up, uh, yeah, it's not so much a seller's market anymore. And so, um, yeah, gone are the days from about six months ago, so early 2023, uh, where basically you'd sell a property with no conditions. It was basically all cash contracts. Now that there's not as many buyers out there, uh, conditions are creeping into contracts like 14 days finance and, and things like that. Uh, yeah, Queensland has always done things differently in the sense of we had the, the times of, of the essence contracts where you had a 30-day settlement with a 14-day finance clause, uh, yeah, which is done differently to, to the other states uh, or, and, and a lot of other um, of the Western world, how they do them as well. So, uh, but we are seeing that come back. And I'm seeing that a lot of the work that I'm doing where people's homes are being resumed when they're buying from the government, sorry, when they're selling to the government and they're buying something else, we're seeing more people, agree, more sellers agree to clauses that's subject to the sale to the government of the house so that yeah, they don't have to sell. Whereas for the last couple of years, if you tried to put a clause into a contract that was subject to the sale of your other house, uh, sellers were just balking at that and, and weren't signing that. That's a very good point, actually, because obviously um, when times are tough, as in when it's a seller's market, times are tough for buyers, that is, and they're forced to make quick decisions and they're forced to overlook um, those comforts of getting that due diligence done, and particularly in a situation where you don't know what you don't know anyway and you don't know what's missing or you don't know what information is even out there. Um, now, I've been talking to buyers agents recently who were telling me that it's actually swinging back in Brisbane and it's getting hot and, you know, offers are being made at open houses now and basically bought by the Monday following its first open. So that seems to be swinging back the other way. And certainly uh, we're recording this into September and last month's uh, CoreLogic data showed that Brisbane was the hottest city in, this, in the country. So I'm sure that these opportunities to put those clauses back into offers um, – maybe short-lived perhaps for the moment anyway. The thing is though, I mean, Brisbane, you know, like the REIQ, for instance, it's an REIQ contract so you can download it from the Real Estate Institute, not from the Law Institute and or the Law Society. You you fill it in yourself, you sign it yourself. You don't actually have to have any legal advice. In fact, you can waive your cooling off period without having to talk to a lawyer, whereas in Sydney, in New South Wales, for instance, you have to have a lawyer or a conveyance to sign that. So, so the protection, so the disclosures are less and the protections are also less in Queensland. And you mentioned also people from, or maybe Chris mentioned it, people from southern states buying up there who perhaps might be used to a more rigid or a, maybe a slightly more protectionist sort of regime and then they go up there where it's the Wild West. I mean, the dangers are 
enormous. Like I, as I said, I was shocked when I discovered this when I started doing our research, um, and I couldn't imagine how anybody who was not familiar with that would not use a buyer's agent. But then I spoke in some buyer's agents who aren't even aware of that that this stuff doesn't exist, and they just run off to make offers. You know, so you know if if any of you folks are out there trying to look for a buyer's agent. Check their due diligence process before you sign up with them if you're buying in, in Queensland or anywhere really. But um, so, you know, the contract of sale, right, that is a document that is provided by the Real Estate Institute, as I mentioned before. Um, how can, I mean, what what is, is anything going to change about that? Is Are there any other provisions that you think are going to come in that actually protect consumers Effectively from themselves, really, because at the end of the day, if they if they're totally totally ignorant, they're not going to know where to even start with this. Yeah. Um. So from what so so the first thing to note is I think I think it's uh, it may not be on the contract, but the REIQ contract is actually written in consultation with the Queensland Law Society. So it is actually written, and it's actually the the um there's professors at at one of the main universities here who actually recommended these changes uh to the to the contract uh and they also help rewrite the the standard contract. So they have not yet announced what changes they're going to make to the standard contract around these changes. Uh, except uh, the 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 what I've read about it is that uh, they're just going to be requiring yes, and have clause in there about providing the disclosure statement and and you know what your rights are if they aren't provided or they are provided um, in in the um, in the contract itself. So. Uh, I don't know whether there's going to be any further protections put in there for for buyers because they have not announced that into the standard contract. Uh, I think one of the the biggest dangers, Veronica, and, and you mentioned this, was that you can waive the cooling off period without any advice. And what happens is people get the contract from the real estate agent and they're just told to sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. And at the end, they sign off on the on the cooling off, um, waiving the cooling off period. I had a client who. Uh, should never have signed a contract. It was an elderly couple. They had no idea what they were signing. They just sign, 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 and they waive the waive the cooling off period. And that's it, it's funny. I've been doing this for about twenty years. And when I first started, the law on that side of things was very, very uh, arbitrary on the on the seller to make sure that there was. A, I don't know whether you're engaged in Queensland law back there, but but there was a disclosure statement that had to be put on the top of the contract, attached as the first sheet. And you could only waive that with a lawyer's advice. And now that, and that, so that was slowly changed around. And I think it's one of those things I, I see, I see a lot in the law where bad circumstances make bad law. And I think what happened is there was a lot of cases around that because they had this stupid wording about you had to, it had to be attached as the first or top sheet. Then there was all these cases about was a paper clip attached? Was a bulldog clip attached? Did it have to be stapled? Then electronic yeah, stuff came in, right? And so what happens is bad circumstances make bad law. So what what the the politicians and the people who decide on the laws they go, well that that's ridiculous. We don't want to have that rule. So they go back the other way, and it and it, sw- it swings them backwards and forwards over time. And so uh, I think that yeah, if you're buying property up here, you've got to do your due diligence first. Even with this new disclosure, you can't just assume that you've been told everything, and that, that especially if you want to buy it to develop. Uh, you know, long term, you want to make sure that it's all, the, you know, you've done all your searches or that you've made it conditional so that you can go and do your searches as part of the contract because that's not going to change in a meaningful way like the disclosures down south at the moment. So, so Jerry, what, what, uh, you know, just step us through. So, someone buying a place in Brisbane now or Queensland, what, what is the do steps you need to take? What are the searches you think the buyers should do? So, again, it depends on what your goal is. Uh, and, and if you do want to, do, you know, develop and, and, yeah, and do that with your property. There are things like council searches around you know, what what you can do with the property, what um you know, what approvals are in place for what you've got so far. Uh, there are searches around you know making sure that uh, you know, one of my favourite topics is make sure there's no roads going through your property or train lines. Uh, yeah, future plan because uh, that they come up from you know, people don't even realise where, where that's going to happen. Uh, you do your plan searches to make sure that the the, the properties uh, you know, what you think you're buying is correct. Uh, but and again, most of it comes down to uh, well, another one would be contaminated land uh, to make sure that it's not you know, built on, a, on an old um, <laughs> uh, petrol station site. And so it's really around those kind of searches that you want to do. And we sit down and go through. Okay, what are you what are you trying to achieve with this property? And then it's and there's more and more searches you can do. There's like pages of them about you know, the approvals that are on the property, 
what you can do with the property, what overlays there are, all those kind of things. There's a bunch of free ones you can do too, uh, like Dial Before You Dig and, and those ones that help you to figure out what you're buying so that you can make sure you want to do with it what you want to do. I think even if you're just going to buy a family home and not do anything to it, you want to know a bunch of this stuff, you know, like particularly overlays and, and uh, flooding and, yeah. I mean, do you have examples of buyers making fateful errors simply because it's too easy to buy in Queensland? Yeah, absolutely. Give us some examples. The example what, that I'm dealing with right now is uh, these people whose the pop- properties are being resumed along the Bruce Highway, which is the highway going from Brisbane up to the Sunshine Coast. And when they bought their properties, uh, a lot of them bought them from the developer, brand new homes about 18 years ago. When, when the government um, subdivided the land, they put a, a covenant and an easement over part of the property. And basically, when they were sold the property, they were told, oh, that just means you can't build on the land. But what it really was doing, that was what the covenant was. The easement allows the government to come and take the, the property from them. And the what happened, what happens is that the value of the property comes down by about 200 grand because that land was always going to get taken. And these people bought the property didn't do the searches, didn't have it, didn't have all these things explained to them properly. And then years down the track, they're like they're looking at their property going, well, we thought it was worth this because they're looking at the you know resumption, you're supposed to be paid for the the value of your property compared to the market. They're going, but my my house is a four-bedroom house with a pool and all this and this and this and this and this. And we can't get them that. And so that's a that's a big one where people don't realize the effect of things that are registered on title, like uh, easements. And covenants are another big one, especially in, in uh, developments that have been in the last 20 years up here. There's a lot of covenants that restrict what you can do on your land. And uh, they're both to the government and also to the developer. And because they restrict what you can do with the land, that reduces the value when you're trying to, to sell in the future. So what are you saying is that the government was cynical enough to sell off this land on a highway, by the way, on a highway with caveats and covenants is going to it's basically put a handbrake on the on the capital growth, apart from the fact that it's on a highway, and then turn around and sting them twice by saying, well, you didn't notice there was a covenant reason there that we put that to basically protect our future investment where we want to buy this thing back from you? That's, wow, that's just terrible, isn't it? It's uh, pretty extraordinary. Pretty extraordinary. There was, yeah, uh, there, there's lots of stories around that. Um, in, in that same one, um, not to go into too much into that side, they, um, they let a development go ahead when they knew they were going to take the road and all these people built brand new homes about 20 of them and uh and basically what in one case one got one guy got the um notice seven hours after he moved in to say that his his property was going to get resumed after he just built a brand new home that should never have been approved in the first place but there's <laughs> seven <laughs> hours seven hours he he'd moved in went to his letterbox pulled out the letter and seven hours later it was the, the property was being taken my god um the other the other big one though in in especially in southeast queensland is Things that have been built without approvals. So people might have added on a deck or a shed, or they might have added a shed, or they might have done done a you know, something uh, where they've uh, you know, done some improvement to the property that required council approval, and then they haven't gone and got that approval. And some, and again, some cases it's 20, 30 years down the track, and someone's buying the property and they do their property searches and they realise that you've put this this deck out or, um, or you put this you know this shed here. And you never got it approved. And then you've got to go and try and get it approved. Now, in most cases, 99%, it's pretty easy but uh, to get the approval. But because people don't do the searches, they have no idea that what they're buying isn't approved because they just do the cheap search. As it is, right, you said before, a lot of these searches apply for people who are just buying their home. This is 100% applies when you're buying a home. Do your searches and make sure that everything's approved. It's really easy these now to jump onto Google and you can see, you know, a lot of the times that there might be a deck that looks like it's been added on or, or you know, something's been done. And so it's really easy for us to go and do a search to find out whether or not that's approved. And so that's probably the other big one that I see people don't do. Jeremy, can people just keep kicking that down the road, like kick that can? Like they didn't know it was approved. They just play ignorant. Then they just hold, they don't do anything. The council doesn't force many changes. Then they sell it. They just keep kicking it. Is that, is that often what people do in that scenario? hundred percent. That happens all the time, Chris. And, uh, and and it's what ends up happening is the person who's five, six people down the track who of that home, uh, someone finally does a search and realizes that yeah, this isn't approved, and then they've got to go back, 
in most cases, you're not going to find the certifier or the builder, so you need to get someone else in to do it. And you know, a certifier is going to be very uh, hesitant to approve someone else's work that they haven't seen all the way through, especially when it was done 30 years ago. Now, let, let me be clear here. There's no state in ter- or territory in Australia where it's you have to disclose that works anything about past works. Um, unless you're within a homeowner's warranty period, right? And we request additional documents uh, when we're ev- evaluating a property because we know exactly what you're talking about can happen. And certainly when I was a sales agent, I really noticed the difference in hot markets versus cold markets. In a hot market, buyers will overlook all sorts of stuff. And in a, in a soft market or a cold market, that's when all of a sudden the, the lawyers start asking hard questions and then these sorts of missing documentation becomes an absolute sticking point for negotiations. Some properties that fly out the door in a hot market cannot sell in a slow market because buyers suddenly get picky about stuff that they're not picky about when FOMO is driving, th- driving things. So this is something that's universal. It's not just Queensland that um, has this problem, but it's also universal that most buyers don't know that they should check it. Hundred percent, and then and then they when they go to sell their property and someone does check it, then they're they're flummoxed as to why they didn't know about that in the first place. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm on a personal mission to help more people make better property decisions, and you can find out all about what I'm working on at veronicamorgan.com.au, and there you'll find resources for first home buyers, details about my buyers agent mentoring program access to suburb help for investors, or if you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs, or lower North Shore, you can connect with my team at Good Deeds Property Buyers. If you're thinking about buying your first home, upgrading to a new one, or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, we would love to carefully guide you through this journey and importantly, get the finance right. Please reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Don't forget that you can download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au Jeremy, we're clocking up to uh, 300 episodes soon um, and we have never done anything around sort of council or governments acquiring land. And I don't think we've even mentioned the word, to be honest, um, in 300 episodes. So can you give us a bit of an understanding? Because a lot of people just haven't thought about this and you know, how it actually works, how the government's got the rights, what it needs to do and, you know, and how people do need to be, you know, concerned about this when governments are doing massive infrastructure spending and um, that's not just affecting the people that acquire, it's also affecting the surrounding properties and, you know, you might even be, you didn't think you were living on a main road, but now you are because the main road's come to you. So, um, yeah, maybe give us a bit of an understanding of how it all works. Yeah, so different states have different regimes, but it's all governed under a broad principle that you don't really own all of your land. The government always has an underlying right to your to your land. In Queensland, if you've ever looked at a title search, you'll see that the number one thing that's on the on the encumbrances is a deed of grant. So that's where the government grants the land to you, and that that's Australia wide. Uh, so what the government can do at any time is that they can resume the ownership of that property, but they've got to do it on just terms. If anyone's ever watched the castle, uh, that's what the castle is about. Is it's about this exact exact thing. So they've got to, uh, so so they've basically got the right, and when I say the government, the federal government can do this, any of the state governments can do it through their their departments, usually the Department of Transport in each state, uh, and the local councils can do it as well. Other other departments can do it too, like we've done resumptions with school, um, the Department of Education, uh, lots of other things. So basically, if the government sees a need for a property, then they can resume it. Uh, So, you know, up here... Yeah, they're expanding the Bruce Highway. That's what I was talking about before. So they're they're winding it. So they're they're taking the properties next to the highway to be able to do that. They're also building two new highways: one to the Gold Coast and one to the Sunshine Coast from Brisbane. Um, one's called the Coomera Connector, and the other one's called the Morton Motorway. And so the government uh, can can resume the property to put that road through. Uh, in Queensland, and that's where I practice in Queensland law. Uh, you basically get the value of the home that you that you lose or the property that you lose. So it could be commercial property. Uh, you get the value to put you in the position to be able to go and buy something just like it. So they've got to pay your stamp duty, your uh, your fees, all your legal fees, all your all your fees to move into a new property. So they've got to pay everything uh, so that you can basically set up in the new house. The problem is that no two properties are really alike, and so what happens is they end up. Uh, 
so you have a valuer appointed, the government gets the valuer, and they go and uh, they used to do evaluation. And surprise, surprise, the government always comes in really low, and your valuer usually comes in very high, and you meet somewhere in the middle. The issue is that, yeah, no two properties are the same, so people do struggle to find something exactly the same because it just doesn't exist. Like, if, in, in there's, just, there's just not two properties that are exactly the same with meeting everyone's needs. There's also the emotional thing too. I mean, you know, you you force, uh, there's like, I've been aware of lo- quite a lot around in Sydney, for instance, where we have a lot of in- infrastructure built and in Haberfield uh, is a suburb that's, the whole suburb is heritage listed. It was a garden suburb and built in a, um, Federation times and beautiful homes and people have invested in their renovations with confidence because it's a heritage suburb. And also not only do they invest with confidence, but it cost them more because it was heritage suburb. So, so it had a whole sides of streets taken out in some of these big homes that have been beautifully renovated, pools, the works taken out, um, shocked everybody. But, um, you know, so they have to turn around and move somewhere else or move elsewhere in the suburb as well. Um, very difficult to do it for the same money, even if they're paying the costs, you know, particularly if the market happens to be rising at the time that it happens, you have to move pretty quickly. What I what I find is that people definitely feel that at the beginning. Once they find somewhere else and they move in, generally speaking, they're much happier with their situation to where, from where they work. So generally, generally speaking, uh, yeah, not every single one of them, but uh, most of the time, when they move, yes, it's exceptionally emotional or ironic at the time because the government's taking your house. I bought this house. Well, how, how can I do this? Especially if you've done lots of work to it. Or if you, if, yeah, we've got one one couple uh, for one of the new highways. The fa- the um, property's been in the family for 90 years. Oh, yeah. It's handed, yeah, handed down from generation to generation and they were going to hand it down to the, to the next generation. Massive property. Talking really big property. And, and that's now all going to be resumed so the government can put a highway down the middle of it. So there's a lot of emotion in that, and they'll never find somewhere like that. You'll never find that property. Uh, but they also, they're also an elderly couple who, who yeah, probably needed to downsize sometime soon anyway. So uh, yeah, it's just the family that's missing out long term. But when people get the deal with the government and then go and find somewhere else, generally, ninety nine percent of the time, they they feel like they've had a win and they're they're much happier in the situation that they're in. But it doesn't feel like that at the time. Jeremy, is there any conversation for the people, you know, that's not getting acquired that's now next to the, the, the road? House. Or the <laughs> you know, there's a there's a you know, I've been reading articles. I've got a client who's actually not far from the what's happening in northern Sydney, you know, with all the Western Harbour Tunnel and you know, they've been giving uh, noise cancelling headphones to people in the houses because they've been working all through the night, um, you know, building this road and um their house is absolutely severely affected, right? So you know, is there any compensation at all financially to people whose values being dropped um, because of government taking over land that, you know, this affects their property? So um, I can only really speak to Queensland law. And in Queensland, no. The, the, the short answer is no. If, you're, if you don't have a part of your property being taken, then uh, there is no compensation to you. I believe that's the same in most other states. Uh, th- there is a difference, though, between compensation for land taken and then affect by night works and, and um there because there are uh you know claims that you can make for disturbance to your your general peace and quiet of your home and things like that so things like headphones and fixing walls that might be might be broken because of the rattle, rattling under the you know when they built the legacy way tunnel we had a lot of these where people's homes were damaged because of the tunneling underneath their under their property that's a different claim that's a claim in damages because of you, you can show the cause was because of a tunnel um and, and that was the reason for the damage to the house. But from a pure resumption basis, as I understand it, this is the same Australia wide. No, there is no claim if you're just next door. Uh, one of the valuers that I work very closely with, he tells a story in Brisbane. There was a um, a service station next to where they were putting a flyover, and originally they were going to put the flyover a couple of meters, so they're going to have to take the whole the whole property. The service station was one of the busiest in Queensland. They realised the amount of money that it was going to cost them, so they moved the road a meter further away so they didn't have to take anything, kill the business, and the guy no compensation for it. And as I understand it, that's the same um, Australia-wide. The w- one difference between Queensland and other states, in um, New South Wales and Victoria, at least, you have a concept called Solatium, which is a one-off pain and suffering payment of about 40, 50 grand that you get in addition to all the other amounts. You did not get that in Queensland. Uh, so so at least at least of the other in, in those states, uh, there is... There's a pain and suffering element, but uh, yeah, that's that's a, a 
got to be a decision by the government to institute that kind of thing. Roads are obviously a common one, right? Like that this might happen for, but is there anything else the government's doing? Like, are they going to be doing battery storage? Like, you know, I was just thinking longer term where, you know, it's out of the blue, people wouldn't expect that to happen, but it is happening across the country that you know of. I haven't heard of battery storage. I know that, uh, say, transmission lines are another big one. So they, they'll often take an easement through mainly rural properties where they'll put uh, you know, power lines down the side of a property so that they can um, you know, transmit power to different places. I haven't heard of a battery one. Um, other ones that they've done, uh, we know in Red Hill at the moment, they're doing, uh, they're going to do a tunnel, a flood mitigation tunnel. So to take, so at the moment, the water's flowing down like a hill and flooding all the places down the bottom. So what they're going to do is build a, a, um, a pipeline to, to move the water through. So there's, there's that kind of resumption. Uh, yeah, they can do, you know, I mentioned before schools. I've done, I've done those, but they're going to build a brand new school. They'll resume for, for a school. Uh, and that can just come out of the blue. Like I, I remember doing one up in um, Burfingary, which is a suburb in, in Queensland. And these people bought their acreage blocks and they just, the, the, nowhere near a highway, nowhere near anything. They thought that these were their forever homes. And then the government came along and said, no, we want to build a school here. We need to take these 10, th- these 10 houses so we can build, build the school. Hospitals, another one. I've known a number of people that have had their houses resumed for building hospitals. And what is alarming, though, is what you're basically saying, that, that governments have a right, um, supposedly fairly, but, you know, you don't want to be the last one standing. You'd really want to be the one that's taken, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we always say that if you have a choice, you move into the path of a, of a resumption. So uh, so there's a new highway, uh, the Morton Motorway, that's going to be built from Brisbane to uh, the Sunshine Coast. And they've only announced two stages of it at the moment. Uh, and, but one of those stages, uh, I've got about 40 clients through there. And these are big acreage properties where people have moved out. A lot, of, not a lot of them, but probably half of them moved out there because you know they wanted to have a more rural lifestyle, more relaxed lifestyle. And now there's going to be a dirty, great big highway going through the middle of all of their area. And there are people who are going to be overlooking said highway and the construction of said highway for however many years it takes to, to build a new highway, <laughs> and and there's nothing they can do about it. And and, and it is scary that the government can do that. Uh, they have to show that that basically the option that they're going with is the only option that is fair and that is the most cost effective and all the rest of that. And there's not another another option. If you if you remember the Castle movie, that's what that was about. It was it was about whether or not the airport could be expanded to a certain way and it was cheaper to do it with Kerrigan's house than it was for the for the other side. Uh that that's a very yeah, that's a very real example. The the issue is that the government's much smarter than what they were in that movie. Uh and they do all their due diligence first. So they'll they'll announce maybe two or three different um, routes of where this is going to happen. And they would have done all their feasibility studies and they would have worked out which is going to be the best one. Like they, they prep it before they get anywhere near telling people what they're going to do. So when, when uh, West Connex, which is a big tunnelling situ- uh, system in, in Sydney, started, and obviously it's in the inner west area that, that I live and also where our business is situated and where a lot of our clients buy, and, and it started off as exactly that, you know, the map, on on the website, you could it was not interactive. You could not zoom in. If you zoomed in, zoomed in, it pixelated out and very little detail. It was really, really, really um, very vague. And over time, it sort of got closer and closer and more and more focused. And we got to understand more detail. And we certainly identified areas of you know areas of caution. Put it that way. And um, in some places, uh, you know, like actually where I live, you know, fifty meters. You know, a couple of streets away, basically there's a 50-metre deep tunnel, right? That's all been built. But in some other suburbs, directly underneath houses is, is a tunnel 15 metres underneath their house. And there's been – we've seen it on contracts where the, there's been a layer of the stratum, if that's the correct term, that has been purchased by the government, but there's no money changed hands. So it's in there as actually is, is on the contract, on the title, uh, title search now – and you think, and it said says a compulsory, you know, um, acquisition, but there's no actual acquisition. There's no, there's no compensation. There's no, um, there's no compensation. But you know, in contract terms, there's consideration. There's no consideration paid for it. Um, and I, I've always been astounded. That's like I find it quite weird. You could probably explain it better than, well, maybe you can explain it so that I can actually get my head around it. How the government can take this layer of dirt effectively, but not pay for it, but then then it goes on your title. 
So I don't know the exact situation that you're talking about because up here, every one of those that we've had, there's been at least some compensation paid, some consideration changing hands. Uh, I would presume that there might be some rule that says that yeah, like, uh, in a basic legal sense, you own your property and you know, the old way of looking at it was you own everything to the center of the earth and everything up up into the sky, right? But that has been that has been changed by legislation and rules over the years. Obviously, you don't own everything up in the sky because you, you only own own a certain um, well, you're up. only allowed to build up a certain height. So you might own it, but the council won't allow you to build in it. Yeah, but but you still you, it used to be that there was this concept that you owned all the way up, right? Uh, and, but that's been cut off. So that so the planes can fly over your head. Well, that would, that's important. Yeah, especially where I live. <laughs> um, and and uh, Bob, what I'm going to presume is it's probably been done underground too. So you probably they probably only own a certain level, so many meters underground, and so therefore there's no compensation to be paid because you don't own anything under say ten meters or under under your property. I, I, I'm I'm presuming here there actually is that, and because in New South Wales, of course, you do get a title search when you in in a contract for sale. There is that on every single. Um, deposited plan is that there's uh, you know something underneath the earth and I don't know how deep it goes it's basically owned by the government so it's actually there so that explains it right got it yeah so, so because you don't own it so they don't have to pay your compensation uh, up here they paid when they built the the legacy way tunnel and the um and the cross river um the cross river rail that they're doing now they just paid like five thousand dollars compensation to anyone whose property was above it and uh, they, they also paid for damage done to the properties as well. So yeah, like if you, uh, if you've got the VJ walls and the and the gaps have increased, then they'll pay to to, to rectify that. Um, yeah, but that that's more. So you get a letter in your letterbox um, saying that your house is about to be compulsorily compulsorily is that how you say compulsorily um, acquired. What do you do? Um, the first thing you, that you do is you go and meet with a lawyer and evaluate. Because at the end of the day, uh, what type of what type of lawyer though? Like a lawyer who knows what they're talking about about resumptions, not just any old lawyer, not your dentist, you know, someone who knows right, what, yes. what they're talking about um, in resumptions. Because it is a specialist area. Not yeah, you, know, you said you said you've had almost three hundred episodes and you've never talked about this before. There's a good reason for that. It doesn't happen that often. Uh, when it does happen, it's a very emotional thing for people. So, uh, you know, what what most people do is they. Uh, search for a value up because they what what do people care about? They care about how much money they're going to get, and that's very very normal. Uh, and so uh, yeah, they go and they go and talk to a valuer and talk about how much you know how the process works. Again, there are valuers and there are valuers. There are valuers who know what they're doing about resumptions, and then there's ones who they just value houses for for banks. So you want to find someone who who knows all the tips and tricks and has the experience. And the same with a lawyer. You want a lawyer who knows all the tips and tricks, not someone who is just your local lawyer who, who doesn't do these on a regular basis because there are lots of rules, lots of changes that you need to be aware of and uh, lots of traps for people. Is there a benefit in banding up with your neighbours and all getting the same legal uh, advice? 100%. We, we, we encourage that, uh, not just because it's great for us you know, to act for more people. It actually benefits them more because we can control the process. One of the, the most dangerous things that can happen in a resumption is that one person goes and settles cheaply with the government, and then the government says, "Well, this person settled for you know five hundred thousand dollars. When we when we try and claim six hundred thousand dollars, they say, well, we only paid five hundred thousand here, so we don't have to pay anything more.' So there's a lot of benefit in everyone uh, either using the same consultants or at least the consultants talking to each other. And we, we talk about that a lot. Uh, we do a lot of town halls when these things happen. Oh, yeah. And um, so we get people into a room and we, we talk through the process and we tell them what, what's going to happen. And we say, look, you don't have to engage us. If you engage someone else, though, tell us who they are, give them our details so that we can at least coordinate and make sure that everyone's on the same page and, and we're all going for the same thing. Because if we do that, then everyone benefits rather than settling early. We've had some clients that who had a property compulsorily uh, acquired and um, their buyer's agent fees are included in the cost for relocation. Now, they were an elderly couple um, and I, I'm under the impression that not everybody was offered that. Uh, so how does somebody, I guess, get an edge over others in terms of uh, added assistance? So you need to be able to show that you can't go out and find a property um, by yourself. So otherwise, that'd be paying buyers agents for everyone. Yeah, great idea. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, 
great for the vaccination industry. Uh, and and the government, the, 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 yeah, they they look at it and they say no. Uh, if you if you're yeah young young enough to go out and find properties and to go and negotiate, then they're not going to pay a buyer's agent. If you've got uh, so, yeah, a medical condition that doesn't let you go out and inspect, or you're elderly, or something like that. Then, then they pay it. It's very, very rare that they'll do that, though. And we have tried in a lot of situations. Uh, we had one a lady recently whose foot was amputated, and they wouldn't even pay for her. Oh my god! Yeah, they're tough. And it only happened like a week or two before we asked, and they still wouldn't let it happen. So, um, yeah, it's. I guess. You're not in a position of power, though, are you? I mean, in, in reality, I mean, there's government decides they're going to do it, and as long as they can sort of tick a box and say it's fair, whether you agree with that definition of fairness or not is is another issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of like you've got to suck it up and make the best of it. You, you don't you don't have a lot of leverage, as is what, what I always tell people. Um, so, so most of the time this happens by an early acquisition process, so you, there's a negotiation with the government to to take it before they actually require it. Uh, if you're in that process, there is no leverage. You, you you've got to come to an agreement with them, or uh, or you you wait until they actually take the property. When they take the property, there is the problem is that they can take the property at any time, and they've got three years to pay you compensation. And so, you know, if you want to go off to court and fight and do all this other, you know, do, do all that stuff, you know, try and get more money, it can often backfire because then you 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 know you don't have any way to live and you don't have any money. And there are ways around that that you can you can get uh, what we call a draw. You can take money uh, early, but you don't fight it in many situations because it's just not commercially viable. And up here in Queensland, one of the one of the problems is that if you go to court and say say that, just to use round figures, say that um, the government's of five hundred thousand and you're at six hundred thousand. If you go to court and you win and you get well, you get more money, say you get five hundred and forty five thousand. You've got to pay their costs because it was closer to their to their um, valuation. Oh wow! So that can completely destroy the point in going to court. And so I don't know whether that's the same in other states, but it is just something that we are very live to. Um, and because you you don't want to go and have that fight unless you're really sure about the about the situation that you're going to win. So how can you prevent this happening when you're in the purchasing phase? I mean, how much heads up do you get about? You know, like, I mean, for argument's sake, um, I think the airport at Badgeries Creek was sort of in on the drawing board was a greenfields for, what, 30 years or something before it actually, they finally decided to actually do it. So in that time, I imagine a lot of people just say, oh, bugger it, they're never going to do that. And then they start buying in an area or perhaps there's, there's something that was never on the drawing board. Yeah. So I think, I think yeah, living next to a main road, you've got to expect it. So any sort of main road, any sort of main highway, you've got to expect it. Uh, most of the time, like when they're yeah, when they're building Batteries Creek or a new highway or whatever, it is on the cards for a very, very long time. Yeah, there was a railway, the Redcliffe Railway up here that was on the cards for about 80 years. <laughs> and everyone convinced themselves they're never going to do it, and then they finally did it about 60 years ago. Uh, so you, so uh, what I would say is if it's on the cards, then you've got to be really, really careful if you want to buy there that, that you're aware that it could be taken. Uh, and most infrastructure isn't really going to ever be, a, sorry, most places aren't really going to have infrastructure go through them. So most suburban areas aren't going to have that. It's probably more likely that it's going to go underneath. There's going to be tunnels and, and, and things like that. But most of those big projects, especially in the urban areas, are flagged uh, and, and they're flagged with a very long lead time. A very, very long lead time. So you should know about it beforehand. Uh, where I'm up on the beaches, uh, in Northern in Northern Beaches in Sydney, there was a plan for the beaches tunnel, right? And um you know, that was likely to go ahead at one point. It was, you know, the Liberal Party were winning, you know, they were spending money left, right and centre. Uh, that that kept progressing through the stages. The environmental survey got done. Um, you know, if Gladys didn't shoot herself in the foot, I think maybe that potentially would have happened, right? Um, but that was playing with valuations massively for people because they were like, well, you know, that's going to change. So I think there's always a risk that... Um, you know, in that situation, potentially it was good buying in that pocket because it was, you know, heavily discounted because there was going to be this road that was going to get built and the war was going to... So how do you sort of... But then it might come back up in five years' time again. Like, do you... What's your sort of advice around these things? Is it just going in eyes wide open and just making sure that it's factored into its price or... Go, go, yeah, exactly that. And it, I, I think that if you at all think that something might happen because of, yeah, some plan that's been there, then you're either buying it with that knowledge in place that that could happen or... Just don't go there. Just go go somewhere else. There's plenty of other places where it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, they're not going to 
go putting a, a main road through a bunch of suburban houses normally uh, without you know, it being pretty well flagged that that's what they're going to want to do a long time in the in the future. So I would say, you know, it, it, it again, again comes down to what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to, you know, do you want somewhere you're going to live in for the rest of your life? Like a lot of the people that I've got, yeah, th- these are their forever homes. Uh, and, yeah, if that's the case, don't buy there because you just don't know what's going to happen. Go go buy somewhere else. Uh, if you are willing to buy it, just know that, that it could be taken at any time and there's not a lot that you're going to be able to do about it if they do take it. We uh, we had a few clients that actually looked at and we bought for some properties over in Waverton um, where we knew that the tunnel was going to go underneath and also there was going to be a like a, a work site and we had those lengthy conversations around the disruptions around that and what that was going to look like. Well, we found that, you know, buyers had sort of got a bit weary about it. I think they were like, and not just our clients, I mean, generally speaking, buyers like, you know what, so what? It's a tunnel. One day it'll be finished and then life will go on and someone from the other part of Sydney will drive underneath our houses and get to where they want to go quicker. I think that's sort of, but that's a bit different to to being resumed and it's certainly a bit different to being on a main road or bigger main road, extra four lanes um, than what was there previously. Jeremy, have you got an example of a property Dumbo for us, a, a, a lesson, preferably a personal anecdote that we can um, we can learn from? Um, I think I've got loads of them over the years. Um, and uh, a personal one for me was, you know, I, I get into the property, the game, and I, I think for me it was selling a, a property uh, back before the boom up here in about 2019. And what, we've made a good capital gain out of it, about, about a 30% gain out of it, but now it's pro- it probably would have been double the price. So um, a, re- a real dumb move was was uh, thinking that the market had picked, trying to play the market, selling it, and then being, le- being left I'd like, Every now and then I go and look at the, the price that it sold for subsequently and I, I, sh- I um, haven't scotched just to make myself feel better. Was was that an investment property, Jeremy, or your home? It was an investment property. Right. Uh, so you got out. Did you buy another property with the with the gains? or? No, what we did was we actually we actually used it to pay off our house mostly and start um, my law firm. So got it. It was it was done. It was it was invested uh, in something else, but it was not done um, to uh, yeah invest in a new property, which would have been okay because everything else went up at the same time. Uh, and our house has gone up too, but it's obviously you know, we don't want to have too much debt on our house, and so yeah. It's a, it's a good, you know, you, you did say that you thought that it had peaked, you know, and I think that this is what a lot of people do think. They think that um, markets only peak once. That's it. It's done. It's like, no, no, it, there's not a terminus here. These trains keep rolling. rolling. But also Brisbane, if anybody remembers, uh, had gone quite a long period of time up to 2019 without a huge amount of growth. Um, and really done nothing much, but certainly since COVID, Brisbane's been one of the biggest performers in Australia. So, yeah, I can understand how looking back now, you might kick yourself a bit. Can't kick yourself and go, well, that was a mistake. But anyway, I live alone. So, <laughs> yeah, you now have a law firm that you didn't have before. That's right. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat to us about this. This is, you know, it, it is a topic that we haven't talked about, and. Um, we shall watch with interest to see what happens with the uh, the changes to Queensland property legislation as well. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much, Jamie. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer in an upcoming Q&A episode, you can send us a voicemail or written question via the website, theelephantintheroom.com.au, or you can email us directly at questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars would be great. I know that sounds a bit cringy, but we have it on good authority that every review helps make it easier for other people to find out about us and hear what our...